Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Reverend Sherry and her husband, Reverend Alan Wacob, are pastoring uh, the great church in Milton, True North Church, and we're happy to have her this morning. Her husband, of course, can't be here because he has to stay home by himself and preach this morning because uh, uh, Sherry's daughter uh, came and uh, came along with her this morning and she actually happens to be my granddaughter so why don't you say hello by waving your hand this morning. That's nice to see two granddaughters sitting together today is sort of sweet. Grandpa, and they're going to get after me after service. I said, Grandpa, why do you have to say all that stuff all the time? I'm a grandfather. What do you expect? Just a little bit of information. Uh, Pastor Allen graduated from Bible school in Oklahoma in 1990, and Sherry graduated in 1991 from the same Bible school. Uh, after they had both graduated a few months later, they married in 1991. They came back to Canada, and they were on the pastoral staff here at City Church for 16 years. And uh, in 2007, they felt that God calling them to start a church in Milton, Ontario. So with about 60 people here from City Church who lived in the area, went with them, and they had monthly meetings up until January 2008. And then in February 10th, 2008, they launched the church full time. We certainly missed them, of course, after having been on staff here for many years, missed their talent, their faithfulness, and their expertise. But we're glad that they're doing what God wanted them to do. Uh, I, I said that she was uh, Pastor Allen's sister, but then, of course, that makes her my daughter, too. So I'm going to invite her to the pulpit this morning. It's good to have her here. Love you. Good morning, everyone. It's a real pleasure to minister the word to you this morning. I love the Word of God, and I'm excited to share it with you today. Um, Pastor Brent and Nicole, I have a great brother, love him dearly. We have a great relationship and love my sister-in-law, and I'm glad they're having a great vacation. How about you? You like vacations? Yes, we do. We love them. So my daughter, I won't have you stand again, babe. (laughs) She just turned 20. And um, she has been actually interning here at the City Church um, since she graduated. And so she was telling me the other day she would, she would help wherever, you know, they put her. And so um, for a couple of weeks she was helping in the children's department in your wonderful kindy area, if any of you have little kindy kids. And um, so, you know, when you have 40 five, six-year-olds, two, three-year-olds, when they get all together, it's an interesting mix because you can imagine if you have one of them, what it would be like to have 40 of them. So anyway, she was telling me about it and I was 
saying to her, because I remember when she first started babysitting when she was younger, I always said to her, you need to learn the art of distraction. And uh, as parents, we know what that's like. So we, you know, our child, we're out in public and our child starts crying and we're, you know, we're embarrassed. We're thinking, I need to get this child to be quiet. What do I do? We you know, whatever, we shove a lollipop in their mouth. We do something to distract them from, you know, what they're thinking about and what they're, you know, crying about or the situation. We, we do that as parents. Anybody, anybody in here? Any parents? Come on, people, you can help me this morning. <laughs> yes. So we, we try to distract them and we use this art of distraction. I remember this other time when my son was two and Pastor Brent and Nicole did not have any kids yet. And so we just, in the family, Sam was the only child at this time. And we all went on a plane trip and my parents were there, Pastor Brent and Nicole and my husband and, and my son. And so we were not necessarily sitting all in the same spot. We were kind of all over the plane. And um, it was probably a fairly long trip because my brother... And, and Nicole decide, well, you know what, we'll help you out and we'll bring Sam up and have him sit on our lap. You know, because my son was very active, moving around, kind of little guy, and so they thought they'd help us out. And so when he sat on their lap, they were trying to distract him somehow, so they gave him a magazine, you know, one of those airplane magazines, don't tell on us. But. And so Sam just ripped Every page, just slowly ripped every page. You know, it was the art of distraction. So you got to do what you got to do. So in the same way, the secret to living life with wind in our sails, when we think about having wind in a sailboat, and we see it as being free and just kind of sailing and coasting along the water. So in order for us to have wind or sail in our own personal life, which just sounds amazing to have wind in our sails and, and, and move through life, we need to oftentimes get our sail, ourselves off what is going on in our life. We have to kind of distract ourselves and, and get our focus off our issues, our problems, the things that we're going through. And we have to, one thing that helps us and what I want to talk to you about today is kind of narrowing your focus, not on your stuff and your situations, but narrowing your focus on what the Word of God says and what the Word of God can do in our life, in our situation. So, and that actually takes practice because when we're facing different things, when we're looking at different situations, they can be there at every moment of the day. So we have to learn how to practice doing this. And when we do, there are great benefits and rewards from doing that. So we need to narrow our focus when we are dealing with stuff in life. I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you'll notice here in this first verse, the Spirit of God was hovering over things that were void, darkness that was on the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering. And then in verse 3, it goes on and says that God said, everybody say God said. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and this was the first day. So God framed our world, and as you go on and read in Genesis, you'll see how God framed the world by his voice, by the words that he spoke, he created the world. Now, the earth was in bad shape. It was a mass of emptiness. It didn't have any form. It didn't have any beauty. But the Spirit of God was moving, and God spoke and brought creation into reality. So before there was light, before there was stars, vegetation, animals, God was working with darkness, chaos, and a mass that didn't have any form. And so sometimes we feel like in our life, we're like more chaos is going on in, or in a particular situation. It could be our job. It's chaos. It feels like chaos within the company or within the staff. Or it may feel like chaos in our finances. It may feel like chaos in our family or our marriage. But God says here in verse 27, in Genesis 1, verse 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule. Everyone say rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God made us in his image and his likeness. And he desires and he needs, he desires and he needs us to have a voice in the earth and a voice in our life. God desires to find amplification through your voice. Say, my voice. He desires to find amplification of his words in your mouth. He desires that in the earth. All of his sons and his daughters. 
But oftentimes we don't give equal time or greater amounts of time to speaking what God's word says. We will voice what everyone else's opinion is. We will repeat negative things that have been spoken. We know what God's word says, but we choose not to speak it. It's easier, actually, to just say what everyone else is saying. We will speak our fears, our doubts, our worries. And I'm not saying that you can't speak those. I say expose them. And then defeat them with the word of God. So I'm not saying that you can't speak them, but I say give more time. Or at least equal time to what the word of God says. But do we do that? Because when we begin to confess, when we begin to speak the word of God, great things begin to happen to our hearts, to our minds, to our situations. God begins to move. God's creative power begins to move, and he wants you, you say, little old me, yes, little old you, he wants to use your voice. He gave you a voice, and he wants it to be amplified in your job, in your work, in your home, in your family, in your marriage. Have you heard a child come home from being at the park or being at school, and they might say a certain word, and you say, where did you learn that word? Who told you that word? I didn't teach you that. Or your child comes home and they say, they told me I couldn't do that. And you say, who told you you couldn't do that? Who told you you were not smart enough? You were not this or you were not that. Who told you that? You know, and as a parent, you just kind of like, who said that to you? Who told you that lie? We do as parents, we think that. And our Heavenly Father, He has purchased through His death, burial, and resurrection, He has purchased a new way of living, a higher way. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Our puny little thoughts, His thoughts are higher. And so He wants us to speak and find amplification of those higher thoughts in your life and in my life. God has given us authority. He said, subdue the earth. Speak words. He said, I give you my name that's above every name. Use the name of Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus. Speak words in the name of Jesus. Man, he gave us the name above every name. Glory to God. And when we speak words about our situations that are opposed to his provision, I kind of think God's in heaven saying, who told you that, Sherry? 
Who told you you couldn't have that? Did I tell you you couldn't have that? God speaking to me. And really I would have to say, no God, you didn't say that. It was a lie that I believed and I began to speak. Because this right here is called the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. No one comes to the Father but by him. This word is the truth, the Bible says, that will set us free. So the enemy doesn't want us to speak this truth. That's a big saying now. I need to speak my truth. No, my truth maybe is... <laughs> You know, your truth and my truth, may, our personal truth, may not be what we need to be speaking. We need to be speaking the truth. Because my truth may be a lower, lower way of thinking. I want to think his thoughts. I want him in my situations, in my circumstances. Amen? You know, we heard God, actually, if you go back and look in Genesis chapter 3, you know, he starts talking, he's created Adam and Eve. And they're in the garden, and they have ate at this point of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then God told them not to eat of it. And so God comes to find them, and they're hiding from him. And God actually says to them, because the serpent had lied to them. So God says, who told you that? Who told you to hide? Who told you to cover yourself? Who told you that? The serpent. The father of lies. That's what he does. That's all he, t he came to kill, steal, destroy the enemy. That's what he came. And he is the father of lies. Sometimes when we begin to speak, say, read, meditate, mutter on this, we, we realize the lies that are up here. Now that, that thought, that's a lie. Exposing the lies, bringing out the truth. A couple of years ago, I lost my voice. I, uh, it was very hard for me to speak. I couldn't even barely whisper. It hurt when I kind of whispered. And so when I was talking, it was very difficult. And when I was talking to my husband, he would repeat what I was saying because he wasn't even sure if he could hear me clear enough. And, um, you know, you do what you normally do. You go on with life. And so I went through the drive home, the drive through of Tim Hortons, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can hardly say to them what I'm ordering. And it was so weird and difficult because it's just normal for us to drive through the drive through and place our order. I, it, was, it was frustrating, and uh, I found it difficult. See, we take for granted that we can even get up in the morning and speak. We take for granted we have a voice. And the enemy tries to make you think that your voice is not important, that your voice is not needed, that your voice is weak, that your voice has no value. That, all those statements are a lie. You are needed. 
Your voice is important. You are not weak. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And your voice has value and purpose and meaning and is needed for God to find amplification in your world. So we're made, it, we're made in God's image and his likeness and we're given this ability. You and I are given this ability. I remember as a young person getting a hold of the word of God. I was still in high school and I began to confess I have the mind of Christ and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I began to speak that out of my mouth. It was not really a revelation to me until I began to speak it and say it and pray it before I went to school. And the more it happened, I began to see, wow, wow, God's working in me in, in school. I can do this through Christ who strengthens me, creating an atmosphere with my voice. I remember one time in our church, a man fainted in the lobby. And you know, when anyone falls and collapses anywhere, it's kind of a, a, a scary thing. You're worried. You don't know what's happened. You don't know what's going on. And so there's a woman in our church who is a surgical nurse. And so we called on her. And when she came, she was very calm. And she was very authoritative. And she handled the situation. And she was an expert. She had worked in the ER. And obviously, working as a surgeon, you would have to be able to handle stuff that's going on. And so her voice was needed to handle a situation. And when she did, she brought expertise. And she brought authority and creative power, actually. Because what happened was she created with her voice calm. Everyone around her felt calm. Her voice and her authority. You have a voice and you have authority in the name of Jesus. 90% of all friction of our daily life is caused by the mere tone of our voice. When a man speaks, his words convey his thoughts and his tone conveys his mood. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So this surgical nurse voice created a calm atmosphere. You know, imagine for a moment if you were a lawyer or a teacher or even a mom and you were not able to communicate. We desire to communicate. We desire to give voice to what's on the inside of us. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we have a body. Your spirit actually longs, whether you know it or not, to declare the works of the Lord. Your spirit longs to speak forth. If you just try it this week, 
take a psalm, take a proverb, and begin to declare it out of your mouth. Say it. Your soul, your spirit will be enlightened. It will have a spring in its step. Just like employees are given tools of the trade in, in order to finish your work at your job, you're given tools of the trade. We have been given tools and keys to the kingdom of God. We have been given His Word. His Word is a tool that we have to function in the kingdom of God. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. This book of the law, this book, this Bible, this word, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. It was talking about the commandments in the Old Testament. But you move that to the new and we have his word. It's been given to us and we are to speak that forth and not let it depart out of our mouth. It says, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is alive. It's active. The word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So the word of God, it's quick. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's active. It's alive. It's alive with faith. Not just any faith. God's faith. The God kind of faith. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, give attention. Give attention. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them, and they were health to all their body. As you're reading, as you're speaking, believe that life and health is coming to you. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The seed of the word of God never fails. His word never fails. And as you, as you speak it, you are actually, it's a seed that will grow. It will grow. It will produce in your life and in your situations. It never stops. It never dies. Praise God. So the word of God, when it goes forth out of your mouth, it has the ability, when you think about salvation, it's a confession of the mouth. It's a believing with the heart. It's, it's the moment that I said, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I, at that moment, at that split second, I was transformed out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom, translated. Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. By the words, the confession of my mouth, a belief in my heart. I want to give you an illustration uh, about a man who was known for using his voice. And, 
and he's, his name is John, John the Baptist. And John was Jesus' cousin, and he was called to use his voice to prepare hearts for Jesus. Jesus was coming into his ministry, and he was going forth and calling people to repent and be baptized. He was making a way. It was a big deal. Jesus was about to come on the scene. And so John used his voice for a purpose in John 1 verse 22. So they said to him, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in these words of the Isaiah, of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So John was preparing a way for Christ with his words. We prepare a way for God in our situations, in our circumstances, in our life as we begin to speak the word. We prepare a way. We give God access. Hallelujah. God found amplification through John's voice. And here's another illustration of Jesus. Jesus using his voice. Let's look over at Mark chapter 11. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf, a little way off, so he went over to see <clears throat> if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. So we notice here the disciples, they hear him speak about this fig tree. And, you know, I can see them saying, I heard him say something to the fig tree, but I don't see anything happening. It's kind of weird. It's kind of it's funny, like he said that, like, okay. And, you know, moving on. But Jesus knew that something was moving. He knew something was happening beneath the surface Something was happening underground. And we look at Mark 11, verse 20. It says, The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered up from the roots. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. When you speak the word of God, when you, when you confess, meditate, read the word of God uh, and begin to speak it out of your heart, God begins to move in the situation. It, 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 it doesn't have a choice. Your situation, your circumstance doesn't have a choice. It moves. It moves. There's something happening. God's word is working. God's word is working this morning. God's word is working. Praise God. Now, second part of this story, Jesus takes the opportunity at this time in Mark 11. 
He takes the opportunity to answer his disciples based upon what happened to the tree, and he teaches them about faith. So Jesus answers, and he says to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say unto you, whatsoever you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, but believes, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I didn't make that up. That's the Bible. Jesus says, have faith in God. He's teaching his disciples. It's not just about words, any old words that we may say. It's about faith in God and his word. So the best way that we can have faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and embracing that word. You can hear the word of God taught every Sunday right here. Faith will rise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We also then need to take another step and not only be hearers, but we need to be doers of the word we need to take that word and we need to do it and we need to say it and we need to speak it so in mark 11 it's talking about releasing our faith through saying three times he says say unto this mountain release your faith connect your voice to your beliefs everyone say that this morning connect your voice to your beliefs <laughs> in Genesis, we see God use his voice in creation. We saw John Baptist, John the Baptist use his voice to prepare a way for God. Mark tells us to say, use our voice and speak to our mountain, speak to our situation. A mountain is a symbol of something that's impossible. Something big in our eyes we can't escape from. It's, it looks like it's immovable. And we need to hook up our beliefs and speak what God says to that mountain, that impossible situation. Now you could say, all right, Sherry, whatever. Okay. Or you could take a hold of that this morning. And you can give voice and speak forth. He's given you authority in the name of Jesus. Little old me, I'm not sure. No, that's a lie. Who told you that? Who told you you couldn't do it? I want you to think about your mountain. The thing that's immovable in your life. You probably wake up in the morning thinking about it. You can see it when you walk out of this building. You know what your mountain is. Think about it this morning. And I want you to take a hold of the word of God this week. 
I want you to find a word that God is speaking to you. Look up scriptures about your case. Oh, that's too much work. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work. But it's so worth it, people. It's so worth it. To take a hold of the word of God and speak forth and see God move, see God transform, see God do the impossible. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for him. It is for me, it is for you, but it's not for him. Absolutely nothing is impossible. Find the word, speak the word this week. Speak it over your situation. Speak it over your family. Speak it over the things in your life. It will give you wind in the sails of your life. It will help you soar as wings like eagles. It will help you run and not grow weary. It will help you walk and not faint. That's what God's word does, praise God. It sustains us. It enables us. It helps us to move forward. If you feel stuck, use the word. Speak the word. Pray the word. Sing the word. You know, there's a quote that if your faith can't move your mouth, it is never going to move your mountain. If you can't even sing worship songs, if you can't mouth the words to worship. Start there, some of you. Some of you need to begin. Just start singing. This group is anointed. They'll help you move into the presence of God. Begin to sing. That may be a first step for some of you. You're like, I don't even know the word. They're singing the word. They're singing it. I don't know anything about this word thing. Sing. They got the words up there. Sing. Begin. Take steps. Take steps towards him. Your faith, your belief needs to be released through your mouth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here this morning. I thank you, Father, that the words that I've spoken will not return void. I thank you that they go forth into hearts and lives that are open and ready. They're ready to be doers of the word and not hearers only. They're ready to take your word, to glare it, to find that you, Father, would find amplification in their situations, in their circumstances, that they would not be moved by what they see, but they would trust in the God who does the impossible, the God who can do all things. We thank you, Father, nothing is impossible to you. Absolutely nothing. Father, some of us need to just dwell on that scripture. Some of us need to just mutter that scripture over and over and let the seed of that get on the inside of us, that that belief would just grow and grow on the inside of these people. And that, Father, when they begin to speak it, they will have such confidence 
that your word is moving your word is bringing things to pass your word father that's going forth is changing situations in the name of Jesus the name above every name hallelujah thank you Jesus <clears throat> thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah thank you Jesus praise God you know some of you in here the word is is very little and the thing about God <laughs> you take one little step towards him he takes bam a giant leap towards you you take the word just that little word nothing is impossible for you Lord and you speak that out this week and you declare that this week you know what happens on the inside of you is that that word just gets bigger and bigger because when you first say it, you might be like Maybe, I'm not sure. And the more you say it, it's that seed and that word of God just gets, whoo, it just gets big on the inside of you. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, yeah, nothing is impossible. You are just flat out, you drawn the line and you are, you are believing. Amen. <laughs> Why don't we just stand up? Just say, Thank you, Father. I'm a doer of your word. I'm going to do your word this week. I'm going to speak your word this week. I'm going to confess your word this week. And nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless you all. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.